I'm Gab. He's Jules. Blue skies over West London. And uh, Jules, um, we're going to get to this. We're going to talk about this later. Obviously, it's a somber weekend here in the United mm. Kingdom where we live, owing to, to the passing of, uh, of Queen Elizabeth uh, the monarch at age 96. But the football goes on in the rest of Europe, so obviously we're going to focus right. uh, on that. We will be getting to Juventus and the crazy scenes at the end of that match. But we're going to start with Bayern Munich. 2-2 draw against Stuttgart. Our boy Matthijs De Ligt at the end giving yeah. away that, that, that penalty. And to help us break it down, I'm going to go straight to Jan Agafjortov. Who better? Who better? Uh, Jan, very simply put, three consecutive draws in the Bundesliga. We have, I'm going to say this in a nice way, the likes of Union Berlin and Freiburg ahead of Bayern in the table. Uh, it seems that the only team that they've beaten convincingly in the last couple of weeks is Inter, I don't know what that says about Inter. Uh, is there reason to be concerned? Hopefully. Hopefully there will be big reasons because we want an excitement Bundesliga. And next weekend, Gab, there is going to be a fantastic game. This is a top game between Hoffenheim and Freiburg. That is the next game. But but as you said, three draws in a row for, uh, for Bayern Munich. That is crisis. And I love that about Bayern. That's why always this club has fascinated me. And they always use that FC Hollywood is a cliche, but still it's so interesting to see how they do react because they won the Bundesliga, is it 10 times in a row? And they have Julian Nagelsmann, the Mozart of football there. They have said that they won the transfer window and then they have three draws. And then someone asked them one question about Lewandowski, if you miss him, is like the whole club falls together in, and, and just lying around say, don't ask us that question because we don't, we don't, we don't. <laughs> to, okay, all right. I'm going to embrace the club line here because in those three draws, you know, obviously uh, we, 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 with Gladbach and, but this one here, uh, Gladbach and, and I guess it was uh, Union Berlin, the, the other one was, you had two goalkeepers being standing saves and whatever. Yeah. They took a million shots on goal, a million XG. The Stuttgart game was different in the sense that Bayern were nowhere near as dominant, even though without that late penalty, they, they would have had the win. The difference maybe Sadio Mane. So maybe the question isn't, do you miss Lewandowski? But when Lewandowski has gone and the guy you signed to replace him, not in terms of position, in terms of star quality is also out, then maybe you draw. Well, Am I wrong here? No, absolutely not. It's a fair comment. But having said that, I think still we should go back to the start because if you miss 40, 50 goals, it's not that easy. Uh, Mane, a great, great signing, but he won't score you 50 goals. Why is that important? Yes, because Lewandowski always makes the 1-0 or the equaliser. When the goings get tough, he, he was always there. But in this game as well, as you're saying, there was a couple of hard uh, controversial decisions, especially uh, the first one on Kimmich. That was just like ridiculous that Stuttgart didn't get that. So that was a bit frustrating for them. But they, as you say, Mane, Sané, they were both out, saved them for the, for the Champions League. So they didn't look good this weekend. And Stuttgart, well, I kind of deserve to get the point. Leave it to a former striker like Jan to make it all about goals, Jules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they, I don't know, the one thing in common with all those draws is that defensively they make mistakes, whether they're Supamecano, who we've seen making mistakes, they left in that game. Even Kimmich, when he holds on to the ball too long, or there's just something in terms of defensive efficiency 
that is not there. And by the way, Julian Nagelsmann, back to his horrible dress sense. I don't know why he was wearing Jan, that sort of white, like, uh, like jacket or something for the rain. Raincoat was terrible. But as long as defensively, if you keep making mistakes and gifting the opposition an opportunity or two, if they take them, then obviously you're under pressure. I'm going to lay off Nagelsmann's dress sense. I, mean, I, 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 I don't know. I respect <laughs> his choices as long as he doesn't borrow Scott Parker's cardigan now that Scott doesn't yeah. need it anymore. Uh, Jules, you want to tell us about Matthijs Tell, younger, uh, youngest ever goalkeeper yeah. in the goalkeeper, goal scorer yeah. in the Bundesliga? And, and, and of course, Paris born and bred. Yeah. yeah, Paris born and bred. But just well done. He's 17 and 120 and 136 days. Youngest ever to start a Bundesliga game for Bayern and then obviously in that game to score. An amazing achievement. There's, there's much more to come because he's a wonderful talent. Jan, over to you on Matisse Tell. Obviously, you don't want to overhype somebody. They're going to bring him along. We've seen this with Musiala a couple years ago. He starts making a few appearances and then he becomes an important part of the team, of, of, of the rotation. From what you've seen of him, and I think I'm right in saying he's only appeared in two games thus far. Uh, for Bayern, but obviously we saw a little bit of him uh, last year at Rennes. What's your take? That this is, as they tell us, this is one of the greatest talents, and you have to give credit to, to Bayern Munich doing that. You mentioned Muziala. That was just also something they got to, I guess, when they, they looked after Hudson Odoi, and they were offered him uh, as well. But Matis tell that this will be a great one. Uh, and you they need a number nine. Can he turn into that typical number nine? I'm not sure. But I think that Bayern need that kind of thing. And, and in, interesting to see in Germany, because Dortmund has always been like, well, they take the young players, make them into great players. And But if you see the record of Bayern now slowly, Musiala, Davis, Tell, it starts looking like a quite good record. Jules, let's ask Jan an uncomfortable uh, question since he has no doubts about, uh, about Matisse Tell making it. Uh, when you compare Matisse Tell at 16 with, say, hmm, Erling Holland at 16, <laughs> uh, you were more convinced of Holland at 16. No. No. Uh, no really? I think that when, when Holland was 16, he was growing a lot. He was, uh, there were different things, hands and feet that didn't didn't all get together at that time. This is the time when he goes for Brune, start to getting to Molde. So th- that was not to be seen. Tell at this time uh, could uh, have gone con- gone further than than Haaland. Having said that, it's easy now to compare everybody with with Haaland because Haaland took some unbelievable steps coming to Salzburg in the Champions League, Dortmund, and now Manchester City. A bit unfair. But if I compare them now, based on how they are when they are 17, I would say Tell is ahead. Yeah, I, I, this is a great point. This is something we always often forget about, especially with taller people. And Jan, many years ago, you were a tall, young striker. It makes such a difference when they have their growth spurt, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, some kids con- are, are where they are at 15, and then they don't grow anymore, and then the coordination catches up with them. Others you're going to have those, those, those physical inconsistencies until later. Yeah, I think physic, physical maturity is obviously very important in the game. But I think Jan probably mentioned also maturity full stop, not just at that, that Erling was growing at 17 in terms of a professional player. I think for Matisse, it's a little bit different because he'd already been in the first team set up at Rennes in Ligue 1 for a, number, for a couple of years. Even when he was 15, he was training with them. At 16, he was playing. He played in Ligue 1, not, not much, and... and was not amazing per se, but then every time he was going down to the under-19s or the under-21s, he was amazing. So it was clearly that the talent was there. 
I never thought Bayern or anyone else would pay almost the 30 million euros that they invested 20 plus, I think it's nine in, in bonuses. But I guess if you don't get him now, it will cost you 60 or 70 in a couple of years' time. So may as well get him now, even for 30 million, nurture him, make him grow, develop him like they did. I thought it was really interesting, Jan, that Nagelsmann chose to play him wide in, in a game like this against the back five like Stuttgart and not centrally and put Muller centrally and tell on the right-hand side and Gnabry on the left-hand side uh, almost to say like, okay, this, this is tough if we start you against Stuttgart in the centre. Go wide, drift inside, come inside. You will be less exposed if you play you know, slightly wide than in the centre. You get less probably kicked and, and, and you know, moved physically. And I think that's part of the learning curve for him. But I, I thought it was, it was really, really good for a debut like that in the league. Yeah, and I'm assuming it's always easier when you're a young centre forward to start out on the wing, right? I'm assuming it was the same case for you? Well, I always played as a number nine. I always played in the middle. I am the most uh, not convincing player to play at any other player position the whole career. <laughs> I, I remember we played Werder Bremen away with Jörg Berger, the legendary Jörg Berger. And uh, he put another striker on. I thought that he was taking me off. And then he pointed with his finger that I should play behind the strikers. And I had never done that in my whole life. I always played striker. <laughs> so I had 20 minutes. I was like, coach, you can't be serious. The good thing about it is that the last 20 minutes in the 90s in the Bundesliga, there was so much space that I never had the ball more in my life. But these kind of strikers with, with the, the attributes that Tell is having, I understand why Nagelsmann is doing that because you, you are positioned in another way so you can go more one against one while you are, when, when you are a striker, you will a bit more with your back to the defender and maybe that would put another kind of pressure to you. So I think that was quite wise and, and also it has to be said in 2022, these kind of flexible players, that's why they're asking for them. And with, when you see their setup at Bayern now, they, they have to take different roles. One time Müller, Gnabry can play in the middle there or should he play winger and all that kind of thing. So I think we will see more of that. All right. Well, it's a perfect segue because Tal is the, is, is, is the young, potential future center forward uh, for Bayern. Many, many years ago, they had a kid in uh, the youth team who broke goal-scoring records as a center forward. The fact that he still often looks slightly uncoordinated, clumsy, and ungainly now that he's in his, that he's what, 33, 34 yeah, years yeah, old, suggests to me that he was probably like that when he was younger, too. Yeah. Um, Thomas Muller, for years I always thought, okay, you know, you, you have this kind of unique role where you're so important to Bayern, and you can be Lewandowski's backup when Lewandowski's not there. Didn't happen very often that Lewandowski wasn't there. Mm. I... He played up front in this game, as, as you said, Jules. Right, crowded back five and whatever. Yeah. My man Rino Materazzo, you know, trying to pull down the curtain, right? Yeah. The iron curtain. However, at this stage, does it make sense to play Muller uh, in that role, Jan? Or are you better off, okay, if it can't be Mane, Gnabry, somebody mm. quick who, you know, somebody's got more of the Mane characteristics than going back to Muller and, and use Muller elsewhere? Well, I think that, I don't know if you have the expression, but I know he's like a potato. You can use potato to everything. Like my dad said, it's not a dinner without potatoes. So, so this, is, this is Müller. Whatever you want to do, you can put him there. But there are also games that, that he, he can't do the stuff. And obviously, when it's so much people in and around him. But Thomas Müller, who are we to judge him? If, if, he, if he wasn't that looking like he did, 
uh, that he would be a winning Ballon d'Or, wouldn't he? I mean, I, what this is a fantastic. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but it is because I, I think it's quite interesting because uh, Thomas Miller and Kevin De Bruyne as well. I mean, if they had long hair, had a social media appearance, had like six top model wives, they would probably be up there. But Thomas Miller so underestimated, but still estimated at Bayern, and that's why they put him. Well, he, you just feel he can play whatever. And as Niko Kovac always was like when he said, no, I'll put on the bench for a while. That's not what you do with Bayern. So it's an interesting analysis of a, of a great, great player. You know what's interesting now is, okay, Mane is going to come back and Leroy Sané as well, whether Sané starts, I don't know. But this game against Barcelona on this in midweek becomes so huge, I think, for Nagelsmann in the sense that, okay, you started with the winners on zero, but those three draws... What kind of choices are you going to make? Do you play Goreska or Sabitzer in midfield? Do you play Upamecano? Delia? Who, who do you play at the back? Do you bring back Lucas Hernandez? Do you bring Pavar right back? We saw Arthur Masrawi was good, especially with the ball out of possession. But that has always been a bit weaker. But with the ball, very interesting. And maybe to play against Barcelona, you, you need more Masrawi for when you have the ball than Pavar, for example. And then if you look at it, yeah, pretty much everywhere on the pitch, there will be decision-making yeah. for, for Nagelsmann that are so important because... Yeah. Barca and Lewandowski going back to Bayern, it would be a hell of a game. Yeah, I, Jan, I want to get your take on, on the back of what your, your reaction to, to what Jules said. I'm just going to throw in the fact that um, Bayern, and there's so much press, so much focus. I'm not saying people are throwing the word crisis around. Again, to me, this is a complete overreaction. I look at performance and I say, wasn't great against Stuttgart. It was fine in the two previous draws, and it was obviously fine against Inter, but... Given that it's Barcelona, given that it's return of Lewandowski, mm. all of a sudden the screws are turning on Nagelsmann. Um, what does he do? <laughs> well, first of all, to be a Bayern manager, you are kind of managing FC overreaction anyway. I mean, that is Bayern. <laughs> I mean, you will have that. I think it was the legendary Jock Steen who once said that management is to keep the six ones in the team who hates you away from the five who haven't decided yet. And you saw straight after the game, you saw after the, straight after the game, they, they, they wouldn't talk to the press and all that kind of thing. And the di- big difference for people to understand is that in England, you, you're talking to the manager, maybe an assistant manager then and again, and head of sport, nobody knows who that is, and they never speak to the press. But in Germany, you have eight, nine people, and the media will have spies in the camp and all that kind of thing. And that's why you will get the overreaction. So imagine this midweek, you have a guy, Julian Nagelsmann, who everybody says is the greatest, and I love him. I always did. I think he's a, a fantastic coach. But imagine if they lose at home now with a one goal from Robert Lewandowski. I mean, thing will go ballistic in, in Germany. That's just what <laughs> is happening. That is F. Sebastian Bayern for you. And that's why I have loved this club. And I, I, I can't say that loud, but I, I have loved them since the 70s because I think this mixture of emotions and great building of a football club is so fascinating. It, it's funny. When we look at the reactions, and I am dealing in big, broad stereotypes yeah. here, right? But yeah. there's this perception that Germans are disciplined and calm, that it's, you know, those of us from Latin countries that we rip our hair out and overreact. But, you know, we have a good friend who's, who's, who's German, who's from Munich, mm-hmm. who likes to say that Munich is the northernmost Italian city in terms of overreaction yeah. and emotion around a football club. And and I think it kind of applies here. Um, Jan, I want to end with showing some love for my man, 
Rino Materazzo. No. I know when people talk about, oh, the U.S. coaches abroad, blah, 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 Jesse Marsh here and there, and uh-uh. There's the, the, the second American coach in a big five league after Bob Bradley, who's Rino Materazzo. I believe he is the longest serving in a big five league. Yeah. Um, he kind of fell into the job by, by accident when they were in the second division, got promoted, is tight with Nagelsmann, worked with Nagelsmann many years ago. I, can you I, can you give us a little bit of your assessment? Stuttgart have been up and down. There's changes at the club, but he's still there. He is absolutely there. And if you see the latest development now, they're taking some former Stuttgart players like Philip Lahm in an advisory role. And the first thing... And our have, friend Sami Kadira as yeah, well. Exactly. And the first thing you hear is that Sven, uh, Minslav is under pressure. Nothing about the coach. Just says the position. Uh, people in Stuttgart talk highly of him. And it must be said... To just save the place last season, that is a that is an erfolg, that is a success for 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 Stuttgart. Is very likable in German football, and uh, and I, yes, these stereotypes are going around. But uh, even my son, as you know, uh, Gab, he was this weekend in London walking uh, uh, after Ted Lasso's <laughs> neighborhood, and and I said, "What are you <laughs> doing?" And, and I think I think it's a bit unfair. Let's. Let's judge them being bad coaches or good coaches, not U.S. coaches or not U.S. coaches. And I think that uh, he is one of them who has strengthened that position, that he is a good coach, is, uh, he is knowledgeable, and he is, is very much liked in German football. And I, that I love to see. What, what, what I love about Reno, the opportunity to speak to him a, a couple years ago, is this is a guy who, obviously born in North Jersey, where they yeah, all seem to be from, to right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, goes to, gets an Ivy League education, goes to Columbia. Marsh and Bradley also have Ivy, are also Ivy League, yeah, but they went to that like, weird, right, yucky yeah. school in New yeah, Jersey that we don't like Pete, to talk yeah. about. Um, but then goes very young to Germany in the lower divisions and spends 20 years in Germany. And sometimes when you speak to him in English, yeah. He wants to say a word, and it comes to him in German. He's more German now than American, to be fair. However, who do you think he was supporting in uh, 2006 at the World Cup in Dortmund? Do you think it was Germany against Italy? No way. No way. If you ask the no question. <laughs> Not even worth asking. Uh, Jan, thanks again. It's a pleasure and a privilege. Pleasure to be on, boys. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million dollar stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash g-a-b-j-u-l-s now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels.
All right, enough, Bayer. Let's talk about Juventus instead. Wow. Jules, let me set the scene for you. They've obviously had a bumpy start to the season. Yep. They've had injuries. Pogba, Di Maria, Allegri saying silly things. Uh, not for the first time. Yeah. And then they're 2-0 down at home against Alirincana. I saw somebody tweet that. I haven't checked this out myself. That was 18 years since they were last two goals down at halftime at home in a Serie A game. Yeah, let alone against the team like Salernitana. I Let alone against yeah. Salernitana. They fight and they claw their way back uh, to 2-2. There, 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 there's a penalty. Uh, cult hero, Tony Villena, who <laughs> I say, I thought the guy had retired. I don't even know. It's only 27, you know, because I checked his age. I thought, like, he must be video. 27. I, 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 I thought there were two Tony Villena. But anyway, um, and then at 3-2, they score what they thought, and what you thought watching on television, yeah. was the winner. The last kick of the uh, game. Last kick of the game. Uh, ball comes in. Arik Milik. Uh, it's a header. It goes into the back of the net. And then we have a long VAR yeah. review. And then VAR looks at this and says, oh, well, Bonucci, who tried to go for the ball. He was in an offside position. He was, which was probably being fouled before that anyway. But yeah. he tries to go for the ball, doesn't make contact, but, you know, still interfering with He's an opponent. Going right, yeah. So the goal gets disallowed. And then, twist in the tail. And, and that in itself, by the way, I think was an incorrect decision, right? Because... I don't think he's interfering with the goalkeeper at all. Yes, he's in front of him, but the ball comes He's jumping for the ball. If, I think if he could have touched the ball, he would have touched the ball. No, you could say, and I did say, Bonucci's silly for trying to go for the ball when you know you're offside. Yeah. Although later he said, oh, I knew I wasn't, but I don't want to give any spoilers here. But whatever, right? Yeah. Um, incorrect decision, in my opinion. But then people know that, wait a minute, none of these people were offside at all because, because this oh. comes off a Juve corner. Antonio Candrevas by the, uh, the corner flag, yeah. defending the, the, the short corner. Candrevas um, older now. It takes him about an hour to turn his backside, start jogging up the, 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 jogging up the pitch. Yeah. So at the time of the header, this guy hadn't, he hadn't moved up anymore, and they were all onside, including Bonucci. But because Candrevas is at the... So he's by the corner flag. Yeah. The bottom of your screen, if you're a VAR referee, and if you don't have a wide angle, you don't even see that Condreva is there. This is a VAR apocalypse. This is really, really bad. Now, again, to explain how it happened, VAR, they have, I think they had 18 cameras in this game. The cameras come in. They have a technician who shows them the relevant pictures. In the VAR room, nobody notices. You know, they, they watch it over. Yeah, right? yeah. They see Condreva there, but then nobody thinks, hey, wait a minute. Presumably, Candreva got out of the way quickly and, you know, decided not to play everybody on side. So they don't check his position so they compared don't to check Bonucci. his position. They don't go to the wide camera ah. angle, which would have shown him there. Juve, understandably furious, always a touchy subject, Juventus and, and referees for a million reasons. I got to say, on this occasion, they really got screwed, Jules. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I thought... Uh, I, I didn't see Condreva straight away, so I thought he was offside. Benucci was offside. It's only Mitchell, I had no idea about Condreva. Yeah. Right. And when you think that, for but I'm example, not the VAR. I'm not. You can no, see no, him standing there before the kick, before the corner comes in. And if you're the VAR, the VR technician, or whichever one of these four Completely. people helps them out, it's a massive, Hey, what happened to Condreva? Shall we check to make sure that he's not playing everybody on side? Completely. It's a it's a it's a massive mistake from from the from from the VAR. When you think that next in in three days. You'll have a Juventus Benfica game there with semi automatic referee that would have picked this up in four seconds. Exactly. It's crazy. It would have been, I mean, 
It would have been a miracle for Juve to win that game because they didn't deserve to win it at no, all. No, they did not deserve but It's to not win nice it. when you get robbed a goal that should have allowed. And then you can understand the frustration from Masalegri who was sent off. Milik, by the way, in the celebration, took the shirt off. He'd already been second yellow. That's a red. Off How you go. stupid is that? That's completely stupid. If you rule out the goal, you should take away the yellow card that went with the goal that no, is not valid that anymore. Would, that, was, that would have been like the, the, the Richarlison. Yeah, exactly. The, no, you should. You shouldn't. Because you shouldn't. You, you don't take off your shirt. Right? I know, but still. And then, obviously, Fazio and Quadrado, Argibaji, there's two more yellows. I mean, it was one of the <laughs> best or worst, depending where you stand from. End of a game, last five minutes that I've ever seen. It was crazy. Well, regular viewers will know that I'm a big WWE fan. Yeah. In fact, I'm wearing a professional wrestling, although not WWE shirt, underneath okay. it. Um, so I like that part of it as a neutral. However, Juventus were really, really Terrible. poor in that game. Terrible in the first half. Allegri came out with one of his Allegri quotes where he said, oh, well, you look, but you don't see. We weren't ugly in the first half. I mean, he's <laughs> in denial. He's in yeah, I'm more on Team Bonucci on this one where he basically says, if we're Juve, we can't be playing yeah. like that. That first half was absolutely horrendous yeah. from, uh, uh, from Juve. I, I, I feel for, for Vlaovic. Vlaovic was poor, but when he looks around and he says, where do I get the service from? Who's going to get me the ball? There's no Locatelli in this game either. Obviously, they've got the injuries. But again, every time Allegri speaks, he talks about, well, we made a mistake in conceding this goal. And, oh, yeah, no, unfortunately, we made a mistake in conceding the goal. I'm like, talk to me about what you're doing to create chances exactly, at the, the other board. end for that big Serbian dude who you, who you paid 70, 80 million yeah. for. Talk to me about that's that. Why I don't get that's why I don't, I don't understand what's happening. Like, it, what do they do every day of training? And I know that you can't train much because you play every three days, but still, and I know Allegri doesn't seem to like training or take training sessions. Like, I don't. But what do you do? Like, wh- why are you trying to build in here? Because I'm watching and I'm like, okay, I watched you a year ago and it was the same thing and you didn't have Lovic. Now you've got one of the best strikers in Europe. And the guy has to do everything on his own. Like, he gets the ball on the halfway line. And then what do you expect him to do? Well, score a Ronaldo goal every single time he gets the ball? And then, what, and then what I find even more frustrating, there's some decision. Why taking Kostic off with 15 minutes? He's your best player. He provided a cross for the Bremer goal. He, every time he crosses the ball in, and that's why you put Vlaovic and Milik in there, is because the only thing that you, the only way you create is by crosses either from Quadrado or from Kostic. You take Kostic off. I'm like, what's the point of that? Even when Vlaovic gets a free kick 20 yards away from goals, they let Paredes take it. It goes over the bar. I could have told you before he took it that he was going to go over the bar. And Vlaovic has scored two worldy in the same position in the last, what, yeah. three games or something? And of There's course, things they do that don't, doesn't make sense whatsoever. Yeah, so he, the, the, the Paredes one, they said, well, no, but it was on the wrong side for uh, for Vlaovic. No, so we get Paredes it's take it. Central. Hey, honestly, I know you like Paredes. You're bored from Paris and Man. Like, already seeing him, I'm like, well, what does he add? What What does he add? Is this like he having like bad He can pass the ball. The he can pass the ball. But then yeah, the mistake he made on the penalty, the second goal early on by missing the ball is just crazy. Um, but they played three at the back against Paris Saint-Germain. And there is a school of thought that says, well, wait a minute, Kostic is a wing back. If you try to play Kostic as a winger, it's not the same thing. Yes, you're yeah. wide, but you're getting the ball in different situations. You're, 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 you know, you're further up the pitch. You have to do more one-on-one stuff rather than just running with it and crossing. Um, why not go 3-5-2? Completely. Kostic on one side, Quadrado. And then worry about it later when Chiesa comes back or yeah, whatever. Exactly. I mean, even Di Maria, you can just play Di Maria through the middle if you're determined to play Di Maria. Yeah. Um, and he's not there right now anyway, so neither is Chiesa. 
No, and you can, and admittedly, three five two means that you have to play two strikers. But then whatever, get Ken to run around Vlaovic or Milik when he's not getting himself yeah. suspended. Uh, what, what's your is Allegri doesn't? I don't think Allegri likes playing three five two with this group of people. But there is a school of thought. Did, would you? Yeah, I would be up for it. I thought it was quite clever from him, and I know he did it against PSG to match the PSG formation, which you kind of often do. Uh, but I thought, even if you can say that PSG were a bit asleep at the start of the second half in, in Juve's best moment of the game, they still played well in that formation. Yeah. And I, I, I think, okay, maybe against Salernitana, maybe he thought we go forward the back and we should have enough to beat them. Well, sorry. If you decide to play with the if ball and actually to try to play in the opposition half with and it and have, chances, yeah. have a bit of movement instead of just players on their own trying to do something and make something happen. But he has to change something now. You had a big run la- la- on on Monday last week, I think it was, or maybe on Thursday, about this team with 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 talent. It's a talented squad. This is not a rubbish squad. It's a talented squad. Not doing anything because he's not doing much or building much. Now he has to change something. He has to do something because, okay, you might lose to Benfica in midweek. Benfica are a really good team. He went away yeah. from home. And then you play teams like Monza are going to fight for their life, are going to make it difficult for you and wait for you and play deep. And you don't have enough in your patterns of play to unlock that at times. So I I think the reality is Allegri is a guy who always plays the percentages, right? So like, I think back to when he said, oh, well, the PSG game doesn't matter because the the Benfica one is the important Mm. one for us, right? Now, obviously, they've lost to Paris Saint-Germain and he knows that if they lose against Benfica, then no point from the first two games, yeah. then it's really, really uphill. So I almost wonder psychologically they weren't looking past this game to the Benfica game, which, by the way, is why, why Danilo didn't start. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just think in this specific season, at least between now and the World Cup, with the games coming so close together, there's an element of variance that you can't play the percentages the way you normally would. You're mm. going to continue getting screwy results. Yeah. You're going to continue getting weird. Everybody is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, good, the game, just going to be a lot less predictable. Um, and look, Juve fans, I'm going to end on a slightly silver lining because I don't want to be too negative. No, fact, no, obviously. no. And look, the, salvage a point. So there's, two, there's two points here. One, I, I have a friend who's a Juve fan. He said, well, actually, I'm glad that the goal was disallowed. Should have been disallowed. And I'm glad because if the goal gets disallowed, Allegri goes out and he starts gloating. He says, ah, you see, you guys, you know, Fino La Fina until the end with the Juve DNA, blah, blah, blah. And then everybody kind of buys into this, drinks the Kool-Aid, and doesn't realize how terrible they were in the first half. Yeah, yeah, fine. Um, And the other thing is, we got to see Fagioli. A bit of Fagioli, a bit of Miretti, a bit of of, of Sule, who's not a giant German. It's another dude, spelt differently too. I want to see these kids play. Yeah. I want to see these kids. You spent all this money on your youth academy and your under 23 team and this and that. Finally, they're even getting on the pitch with Allegri. And that, I think, is important. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, enough Juve. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, Gav. Jules, we haven't talked Premier League yet. And, of course, it's because following the death of Queen Elizabeth II, all football in the United Kingdom this weekend, weirdly including kids' football, was postponed. Unlike, say, rugby, cricket, and golf. Your thoughts? Yeah. Um, I mean, the explanation or one of the reasons is that the Premier League said, well, the Queen was matron of the FA, I think, and obviously Prince William is the head of the FA, so they've got maybe tighter links with football than with other sports. I mean, I have to say I don't really understand that, but maybe it's because I'm, I'm not English and I don't share the same sort of love for the the monarchy and the, the royal family and the queen and all of that, I, I, you know, obviously respect yeah, them a lot, but... I mean, look, I, you know, I think football, I it's think... difficult for us, right? You're French. Yeah. I'm Italian. You, you know, we had a referendum in 1946 and decided we want to be a monarchy republic and we chose republic and yeah. we sent the royals away. You guys beheaded them a couple <laughs> centuries before that. Yeah. Uh, I think you have to respect... Yeah, completely. Um, you know, the fact that a mother and grandmother and great-grandmother obviously has passed, but also the institution of, of, of a head of state um, without fully understanding. I don't know that there's a right answer or a wrong answer on, on this one. No, but you could have, you can understand why some fans said, well, hang on, I would have loved to pay tribute I my team's football match with all my, all the, you know, the community and the, the other fans, as we saw in cricket, which I thought was really moving. And the rugby. Way, the, and rugby, the way they... They pay tribute to the you queen. You also think there might be some issue of class, where maybe they trust rugby cricket fans to. But then, what happens if next weekend they can't have Premier League because there's not enough police available because the funeral will be on Monday? I... What two weekends in a row with no Premier League football? That's a whole other issue. Yeah. The other thing which I don't get with that is she had been unwell for some time. They seem to have planned for every contingency with with the garter and mm. the this and that and the moral. In the previous count, I would have thought the Premier League might have had a plan in place beforehand yeah. Yeah. about what might happen. Real Madrid stayed perfect in La Liga, Gab, to go back to football with a 4-1 win, a home win, sorry, against Mallorca. Gabi was Rodrigo stepped up in the absence of Kai Benzema, although then Hazard starting in the force number nine role. It's, it's false because he's a <laughs> false in Hazard. It's not oh, you're harsh. It's no, hard. he had a terrible time. Look, you're playing, and again, I could you, you could have seen this coming, right? You're, you're playing against a team that's going to go and play on the counter, pack the defense, especially after scoring first. Where's this poor guy going to find any space, right? Yeah. But then after he came on, you know, Rodrigo obviously started uh, out wide. Rodrigo stepped up. Rodrigo was phenomenal. The, the, the assist yeah, and the for Vinicius Gears. And the goal, the wow. dribbling run, the stopping, the starting. Oh, the um, twists. I still think you have an issue there, and I've said this so long about a lack of bodies at center forward. But um, I think you have to keep trying to keep Hazard involved because you're going to get yeah. really, really short if you can't get something. But you think Carlo knows that Rodrigo is a better option as a nine than Eden Hazard will ever be? In this version of Eden Hazard, yeah. absolutely. Paris Saint-Germain need Gigi Donnarumma's heroics to avoid dropping points at home to Little Brest. 
Jules. That's true. Did you save the penalty? So I, I looked it up. I think he's the 17th penalty that he saved in his career already. It's incredible. He also how saved good. that, made that great save at the end off of Sumani. Yeah, he made that save as well. Before that, there was a moment of magic. The only one, I, okay, I, I give you that. Between Messi, the ball is incredible. And then Neymar's finish, the control, the finish. He's even better, maybe. Actually, Messi had two assists like that because he had one before where he was offside yeah. in the end, wasn't he? I mean, Messi was really good in the game, I thought. It's just one of those, I think, and we don't have to dwell on it, and, but we saw a lot of teams who were in the Champions League in midweek who then took a long time to get going or struggle. We saw with Napoli that we mentioned and Inter and in Spain to a certain extent as well. And I think PSG were tied. No, it's true. And I think it's going to get worse. Not so much with this week because after that, it's the international break. But after the international break, when you've got four rounds of Champions League pretty much in a row, Plus the league at weekends, I think that's going to get heavy. And I wouldn't be surprised for those teams in Champions League to drop points because it's crazy. We, we've talked about this all season. Although what struck me, my, my takeaway was the superstars, Messi, Neymar and Donnarumma, minus uh, Mbappe or the Kylian, yeah. game, showed up. I thought it was Paris Saint-Germain supporting cast yeah, on the day that, that underperformed. Mm. Rafael Leao gets sent off early in the second half, but Milan nonetheless win 2-1 away at Sampdoria and stay top in a three-way tie with Napoli and Atalanta. My Bolivier Giroud gets the winner. Gab, what did you learn and what did you make of the red cards? So, Rafael Leao sent off for two yellows. Mm. Um, the first one, he's being hassled, he shoves the defender away, yellow card, fine. You don't want to raise your hands. The second yeah. one, he attempts an overhead kick. The defender's there, and he ends up whacking him. I don't know that that needs to be a yellow. I mean, you can say... Dangerous play. What? Dangerous play. Dangerous play, fine, but equally the ball was there, and the defender leans in with his head to some... You know, you could have... Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It felt strange. But look, if you're a Milan fan, hey, you go down to 10 men, you keep playing hard, and you get the win. Some of are not very good in no. Italy. Um, but by the way, Charles de Ketteler, Lovely assist for the yeah. Messias goal. Didn't do much else, but that was the, yeah, that, the was that was special. But that's I think what sets me on apart is when they're not playing well, they still bring so much energy and so much work rate, so that they always stay in mm-hmm. games. Mm-hmm. And um, and 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 I think that that's kind of new under Piola. Yeah. Barcelona roll over Cadiz four 0 Jules, things only really get going once Lewandowski, Dembele, and Pedri get on the pitch. Yeah, I think that they took a long time to get going. We go back again to maybe you know after post-Champions post League games and et cetera, et cetera, uh, against a team that defended, defended well and, and with numbers and really deep. I don't think it was easy. You can understand the rotation from Xavi. Uh, but yeah, once the, the bigger names and the biggest players came on, I like that the young scored. Uh, of course, Lewandowski always there and, and some assists too. A game that obviously uh, was was interrupted for a long, long time because someone in the stands had a had a heart attack yeah. and was yeah. saved, which was great from Conan, the goalkeeper. Those pictures of Conan the Desmond sprinting across the pitch with, with a defibrillator kit, incredible, tossing it into the stands. Yeah, incredible. incredible. So well done, and we're glad. And we should, we should clarify that the, the the fan is fine. Yeah. yeah, the fan is fine now, so it's great. But yeah, for Barca, in the end, a really good win, but. It took a bit of time to get going. Gab, there's plenty of buzz that in 2030 we might see a joint intercontinental bid between Greece, Egypt, and Saudi Arabia to host the World Cup. Is that a good idea? So, I don't mind the idea of intercontinental bids or three countries together. Heck, the next one is three countries together. You've got 48 yeah. teams. And, but I also think we're having a World Cup in Qatar in 2022. 
I, I do believe in the concept of rotation I like around that the world. Too, yeah. um, and I also think that this is slightly mischievous because, you know, you confederations like to put all get behind one joint bid. Yeah. And UEFA, Greece are a part of UEFA, are squarely behind the Spain-Portugal bid yeah. for 2030. So this seems like a bit of a weird one. It was quite the debut on the Leipzig bencher Marco Rosa, Jules. And this is against his old club, Borussia Dortmund. Yeah, we saw a lovely hug between Edin Terzic and, and Marco Rosa, of course, at the start of the game. And then it was just the perfect scenario where you score early on set piece. Not, I don't think that Leipzig played that great with the ball, but scoring early and then you can defend. And Dortmund didn't do enough with the ball. I mean, didn't Probably do anything. They, I mean, the first half, it was just, they had nothing, no shot, nothing. Then you score a worldie. The second Sobosla. goal, Sobosla, is incredible. But again, you, see, you can try another 99 times. You will never score the same way. And then late, you score the third. But great for him to start, certainly, and ease the pressure and all of that. Great to put one, you know, on your old team as well. Um, and I want to see. Well, I mean, we both like Marco Rosa. We want to see what he can do in a different environment. Maybe in a things that don't want yeah, Exactly. Dortmund was very difficult for him. That doesn't didn't mean that he was a bad coach. But certainly to start like this is a, is, a, is, a, is a great debut, great start. Napoli keep up at the top of Serie A with the poor man's Aguero, Jack Raspadori, getting a late winner against Spezia. Gab, why was it so much harder for them on Saturday than against Liverpool? Well, Spezia are a much better team than of Liverpool. Course. More talented, more that. experienced. No, it was super hot. They created a lot of chances. They made a bunch of changes. No Zielinski, no Lobotka. Sometimes no, it takes men, a of course, while yeah. to or, yeah, obviously no, no Seaman, uh, no Kim at the back. Uh, nothing to worry about. They're fine. Thomas Tuchel says uh, he is devastated for being sacked by Chelsea. Jules, he and his staff are getting $15 million in severance, which might cheer him up a little. Yeah. If you add the compensation, Chelsea paid Brighton to get his replacement, Graham Potter. The whole thing is costing Chelsea £37 million. Pounds. Wow, that's a lot of money. Gab, let's hope for them that it works out. Um, and for Tuchel, he didn't do a statement when he was sacked from PSG. I don't think he did a statement when he was uh, when he left Dortmund either. Oh, but yeah, he loves Chelsea. Though. He loves Chelsea. I, don't, I can see the relationship with the fans, you know, because he won them the Champions League after five months in charge and and all of that. But yeah, I'm not too keen on those social media statements. This official gap supporters will be able to buy alcohol in Qatar at the 2022 World Cup, and for some of them, it's a big deal. Yeah, look, this was never in question because they were actually selling hospitality <laughs> packages involving alcohol. They'll be kept separate. There's obviously local cultural sensitivities. But it's taken this long to actually get the official word from the authorities that, yes, you'll be able to. I'm glad because some people are really concerned with this. Jules, we've been lecturing Todd Bowley about the importance of a proper uh, director of yeah, football. He's listening. So what do you make of the links with Luis Campos? And a bonus question here, because yeah. this dropped as we were recording this. Uh, David Ornstein from uh, The Athletic uh, reporting that Tuchel advised Billy Gilmore to join Brighton because Graham Potter was ideal for his career. Oh, I love it. Goes further and says that Bowley tried to persuade Gilmore to stay at Chelsea. Oh, my word. Almost as if... I, these contradictions. Fix, right? I can't handle this. I know. Hey, Ornstein is very well sourced when he writes. Yeah. He's not digging flyers, right? So, I could see Bowley being, oh, no, 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 Billy, Billy, stay, stay, stay. But Billy, is, is Bowley maybe saying everything the opposite to what Tuchel has been saying? Like, you I know, because they clearly didn't like each other? No, but if you want to assume that they knew that they were going to sack Tuchel, Bowley's telling Billy Gilmore, no, Billy, stay, stay, stay. You don't know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. <laughs> but 
and then what? Nine days later, he or less than that. So, you know, well, yeah, six seven days later, he, two, yeah. he sacks him. I, this makes zero sense. And by the way, he was transferred. Chelsea could have just said, "No, Billy, you're staying. Done." Right? If yeah, you yeah, knew really. you were going to sack Tuchel and bring in very and bring strange. in Gary and Potter, as they tell us, they've been planning this whole whatever. Very sorry. strange. I'll let you no, no, react. You're right. It's very strange. I mean, for Luis Campos. Of course, he should be on the short list, like Michael Why? Edwards. Well, because he's very good at what he does. He's not a director of football. Like no, I, he's I don't. A sporting I, director. He finds you players. He's not. He he's a football consultant who works for two or three different clubs at the same time. Okay. I, well, he doesn't work so much for Celta Vigo. His company might work for Celta Vigo, but it's not him who works for Celta Vigo right now. He works only for PAG. He's in Paris all the time. He. You just said it. He has a company. Yeah. yeah that but, works yeah, but, for Celta Vigo. Yeah, yeah, but that's yeah, but you can still have him. Turning up at Cobham every day and organizing your recruitment, your you, you know who you buy, who you sell. I think realistically, if you get a director of football or a sporting director, it has to be somebody who is only working for one club and only has one. Well, yeah, no, Otherwise, you have an obvious conflict of interest. Yeah, but Campos would we have enough for PSG con- and Chelsea. He would what? dump PSG and go straight to Chelsea. But he somehow managed to work for PSG in Celta Vigo. But, but it's not him working for Celta Vigo. You know. That. Oh no, it's just his company, right? But yeah, but he's got, got, he's got he's he? got people. He's got scouts who work for him who then advise Celta Vigo. I, I I don't know. I don't think it's a great. But more importantly, what do Paris Saint Germain make of this? Well, yeah, they were like, I don't think so. Maybe I mean, go and get someone who doesn't have a club, which, you know, <laughs> like, like Sevilla would, res- yeah, I guess, would respond if, if they were after Monchi or, you know, I don't know, Roma after Thiago Pinto. I don't know, anyone they could go for. What, if we had the, okay, so Michael Edwards is the guy they all wanted. That's off the table. Yeah, we, yeah. we think. I don't think he's going to go and change his mind now, right? Because no. now he's also, because he's got 300 million less to spend, right? Exactly. Squirreled it all away on Cucureas and Aubameyangs. Um, uh, the other hot name, once you move past the Luis Campos, yeah. Munch is a bit of a tired name, yeah, I think, yeah, at this yeah. stage. Um, what do you think of Paul Mitchell? Yeah. Perennially linked to return. Leipzig yeah. DNA. Who I believe Monaco. wants to return to England. What, 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 what? I think, he, again, I think he's the one, he's one who should be on the He's at Monaco, for those who don't know. Yeah, he's at Monaco after successful spell in, he's obviously in the, in the Red Bull group and doing a good job, I think, at Monaco when you see how much they sell some players and how much they they reinvest or how they reinvest that money so I think he, he should be a contender and if well. I were to be really cynical really really cynical I just thought of this now yeah. you know how Pochettino was the alternative to Graham Potter yeah so Paul Mitchell and Pochettino worked together at Southampton yeah. they worked very well then Paul Mitchell moves to Spurs actually before uh, Pochettino Poch, that's right then Poch comes and then it doesn't work so good. well yeah, and Paul good. Mitchell gets effectively relieved of duty yeah I'm wondering, until they had the Pochettino option open, Paul Mitchell's not going to want to come to Chelsea if Pochettino's no. there. I, I presume. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah. want to put words in your mouth, yeah. Paul. But now that he's off the table, why not? Yeah, why not? Of course, yeah. I think he's, but I think, for example, if Dan Hashworth has still been a Brighton or not a Newcastle, to, to, you know, to um, reunite again, the, his, his kind of duo with Potter would have been... I've been good at Chelsea. But. Other thing that's been reported is that Graham Potter will have input on who the new director of football is. And we both agree this is entirely ass backwards, yeah? Yeah, completely. Okay. We All said right. you should have done <laughs> it the other way around, but hey, you know, this All is right. what happens. The Bros scores to help Inter to three points against Torino. But Gab, this wasn't particularly impressive, was it? And it was late as well. 
No, it was terrible. I mean, it was a nice goal. Great, great goal, pass yeah. from uh, from Barella. Interestingly, Barella, of course, who hadn't played uh, in midweek. Um, and also, Samir Andanovic coming up huge. Yeah, big. It's funny because, again, in midweek against Bayern, Onana played. I thought Onana actually played really well. There's a lot of Inter fans who are kind of tired of Samir Andanovic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you may be the captain in a long time. You're not the keeper you were. But on this day, he was absolutely phenomenal yeah. against Torino. Um and really is the reason that I think Inter got the three points. Yeah. Inzaghi needs to step it up. You need to step it up, Simone. Definitely. And you can't just sit and wait for Lukaku. Atletico Madrid overcome Celta 4-1. Jules, were you impressed? Mm, I don't think the score reflects the way the game went because I think Celta had some really good chances too. Uh, I thought Atletico were back to their best in terms of clinicality, how clinical they were and the way they took their chances. I mean, the Carrasco one is not even a chance. He does it all by himself. Uh, there were some good moments, but I I still think that the game was tighter than the 4-1 win in the end. But well done to them because Barca and Real won as well. And again, it's not easy to do it after a Champions League uh, playing midweek and especially the very physical, intense game they had against Porto. So it's a, it's a good win to get. To be fair, he made five changes in this game. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, Griezmann, as we'll see, only plays this half hour. But Of course. <laughs> when Correa scored early, he scores early for Atletico Madrid. I yeah. think, okay, now we see Atletico Madrid, you know, they defend, yeah. they counter, they manage the game, and they don't give up chances. No, but they gave up a ton of chances ton in the first chances. half. They really could have, this game could have gone in another yeah, direction. Completely. Gab, Antoine Griezmann, of course, came on after minute 60, as usual. But according to our colleagues, Sam Marsden and Moises Lawrence, Barcelona think none of this matters. Atletico need to pay up the 14 million. Okay, so for those who are who've been under a rock, we've talked about this a lot. Quick recap, Antoine yeah. Griezmann goes to Atletico Madrid on loan if he makes a certain number of appearances for a certain number of minutes. And there is some dispute on what the exact formula is because it's not public. There's different versions floating out there. Uh then Atletico have to buy him for 40 million. Atletico don't want to buy him for 40 million because Zoldo makes a lot of money. Yeah. They will, they like him, they'll keep him for a lot less than that, but certainly not 40 million. Yeah. Um, this is all written and set out in a contract. And when I read Sam and Moises' story, I, and you, you know my thoughts on lawyers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, most, many of them are, are <laughs> and vipers and worthless people. Um, how can you write a legal document where Barcelona's lawyers interpret it one way. Oh, it's a one plus one deal. He's already played the requisite minutes. And Atletico Madrid's lawyers interpret it another way. It's crazy. If, if this is open to interpretation by different sets of lawyers in different ways, then you guys all suck and you should have never <laughs> signed off on it. No, no, I, I'm, I'm serious. But there can only be, be one interpretation. It can't be true, Gab. Surely that's Barca way to trying to put pressure on Atleti to increase his minutes. Because otherwise, there's no ground. You can't. Wait, but, 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 but what what, cloud, what leverage do Barca have? Barca, Barca, Barca no. could just go, yeah. you know, hey, pull this lever, uh, Laporta. I mean, what? <laughs> I what are I these feel two? for him so much. I really feel for him. I saw him coming on after an hour, and I'm like, this is not a way. This is not a way to treat the player. You know, I'm, I'm, I, of course, his friends. The, 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 the player signed off on the contract but too. No, but, still, but, what but he never thought he would only play 25 minutes there, and you know, every what week. Do you, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Antoine. Did you really think that Atletico Madrid are going to pay 40 million euros for you at your age and with your salary? But maybe well, it, if you do, well, yeah. then, then, you, then you live in you live in Fortnite land. I mean, what, what? Well, yeah, but someone agreed to that deal, and then you see Simeone kissing him on the lips when he's called the winner in the Champions League, and then everybody's happy. But uh, yeah, we're only going to play you 25 minutes because we don't we love you that much. You. We don't <laughs> love you that much. I feel for him. Grizu, I feel for you, bro. 
Our producer Freddie is in heaven. His Union Berlin side are somehow, somehow. top of the Bundesliga Whoa. after a one-nil win away to Cologne. Yeah, I mean it's an incredible story, really. Uh, how good they've been, how solid they are, even when they play in Europe in midweek on Thursday, and they lost that game, by the way, to to Union Saint Gilloise. But still, they bounce back after that. They they do what they do really well. There's nothing revolutionary. It's not it's not, it's not amazing football. It's not Pep Guardiola, but it works. And even when they lose, Aboni, if I remember, with the best striker last season, they they go and sign. Good replacement, that Becker up front from Suriname is amazing. I, I, I love watching him play and he's great. And I looked at their home record. I think they lost two games in 36 or 38 in the Bundesliga yeah. since they got up three years ago. Like the old forestry. Or it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, well done to them. I hope it lasts as it's, long as possible. They're talking about being uh, the Leicester of the Bundesliga. Eh? Well, it's, there's lots of examples. It's remarkable. If mm. you look around Europe, the number of smaller provincial clubs, Union Berlin, Atalanta, <laughs> Arsenal. Uh, no, just kidding. Uh, we kid because we love. We're uh, top of the table. Exactly. Well done, all of you. So Atalanta are also top, Gab, as you just mentioned, albeit in Serie A, not Bundesliga. But Gab, they will be kicking themselves for that performance against Cremonese. Yeah, so they're one 0 up. Club Miners doing great again and whatever. And then Cremonese, who for a newly promoted side, but it was so much courage. They're open, yeah. they're attacking. This is a game where Atalanta should have ripped them to shreds. They just have better players. Uh, but no, there's a shot. The goalkeeper, Musso, parries it in the way of the striker, puts it away. Oh, it's terrible. It's a draw. I mean, why are we trying to do it? Not good. Not, Not good. good. How about yet another top of the table side? How about Olympique Marseille oh. sitting first alongside Paris Saint-Germain? Yeah. Thanks to my man, Igor Tudor Sedan. How about that? Yeah, how about that? It was good. And it was a big test against Lille because Lille started really well and took the lead, by the way. And Lille was a very handsome Paolo Fonseca in charge. Fonseca and Ismaili from Shak- Do you remember him from Shakhtar, who's really yeah. been amazing in France? Um, great. And then Marseille showed a character at the Velodrome in an incredible atmosphere to come back. Alexis scored again. Then they had a, a second half winner that was just literally a two on side. But hey, that counts. And, and, and they keep going. And I don't know how long they will keep going. And there will be obviously the, the, the derby against PSG in October. But so far, so good. Now, Let's see what they do against, obviously, Frankfurt in, in midweek in the Champions League. That's the big one. They were, we said, a little bit unlucky to lose to Spurs, although, yeah, they deserve to lose. But that one against Frankfurt is massive. Is Dimitri Payet ever going to start again? When I'd, I, I hope for him. I've got nothing against him. But when I see them play like, like they did on Saturday night, there's no room for him there. He doesn't have the physique, doesn't have the, the stamina to play in that team. So I understand too, though. Russia and Bosnia have scheduled an exhibition match in St. Petersburg on November the 17th. Yeah, you've heard right. Just before the World Cup, got many, including Bosnian stars, Pjanic and Dzeko, are very unhappy about this, and rightly so. Well, they're unhappy about this because obviously Russia are currently suspended, which is why this is an exhibition match and not an official friendly. You know, yeah. It's not sanctioned by, by UEFA or indeed um, by FIFA. I... Uh, you make your own decisions. Uh, you know, there are countries around the world who, who back what Russia's doing in Ukraine, which is the reason why they were suspended in the first place. I didn't realize yeah. that Bosnia was one of those countries, or if the Bosnian FA are kind of freelancing on this, but to have two <laughs> senior That's players crazy. like Miralem Pjanic and Njeko come out so strongly against you, yeah. I think you really have to ponder the, yeah, the wisdom of doing it. this. Betis beat uh, Villarreal 1-0 and leapfrogged them into third place. Jules Unai Emery 
A little bit annoyed. Yeah, because at halftime, they should have been 3-0 up. They were that good, Villarreal, in that first half. Jackson, Lo Celso, Moreno, all of them having chances. I mean, some really big chances too. Didn't score and then obviously got done in the second half with a nicely taken goal by Betis. But yeah, Lo Celso was a bit of a mistake. Yeah, but, but I, I thought it was, this was a really good... It was a Sunday night game in La Liga, of course, because the, the bigger boys, if you want, had played, played before. And I thought it was great. Great publicity for that. It was a really good game by two really good teams, two really good managers. In the end, I don't think Betis deserved to win that game. And I think even Pellegrini at the end kind of was saying it. And you can see why Unai was a bit frustrated because you come home with zero points and it's not really deserved. I know. He's a bit of a little grumpy face. You know how like, he looks like a little know, baby vampire and stuff? He had a grumpy face on the bench. Sorry, yeah. Unai. As a result of the, the period of mourning following Queen Elizabeth's uh, passing, the Champions League clash between Rangers and Napoli has been moved from Tuesday to Wednesday night. And there's a, there's a ban. Off. It's not really a ban, but where fans, Napoli fans are not allowed to travel because there would not be enough policing on the ground. Does that sound fair to you? And obviously, Rangers fans will not be able to travel to Naples for the reverse fixture. That's what makes it yeah. fair. You know, no away fans at either one. Look, I'm not an expert on police and logistics. So if they tell me, oh, there's no way to have this football match safely because so many police are going to be busy with the, uh, uh, with, I guess, the, sort of the funeral arrangements yeah, yeah. or whatever, the period of mourning, who am I to say no? I am glad that if, I'm not, I'm sure there's a good reason why it's okay on Wednesday, but not on Tuesday. But, um, like, yeah. I, the main thing for me is they said, okay, if Napoli fans can't travel, then yeah. Rangers fans yeah, can't that's, travel. Let's, that's let, let's make it equal. Completely. Napoli said they're going to reimburse the cost of tickets, fine, and people who bought official packages. I'm hoping... What about the flights? Yeah, people who bought flights yeah, and hotels independently will yeah. also get reimbursed. Yeah. Freiburg slipped a second in the Bundesliga after nil-nil home draw with Borussia Mönchengladbach. Jules... Fairy tales don't happen if you can't win games like these. No, true, and they could have lost it. To be fair, Marcus Thuram had a couple of really good chances as well. I think they, we, we said about teams who played in midweek in Europe, I think they, they look tired to me in that game. And, and it's going to be difficult for them to keep it on in the league, in the Europa League, in the league, in the Europa League. Uh, every, every Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, especially as we said after the international break. So at least they didn't lose the game. You still, you still, you know, at the top of the table, pretty much. So it's still a very good start of the season for Christian Strike. Lazio be Verona 2-0, but Gab, I need to ask you about Mauricio Sarri again, because a week ago against Napoli, he, he um, railed against the officials and is now being investigated. We said that. This past weekend, he gave the finger on live television. Come on. He, again, this is somebody who's like, He's crazy. like the inside of his head is like now like melting <laughs> under the pressure. By the so way, Lazio did play on Thursday night and they won True. and they won again in the weekend. It took them some time to get going to. Okay, fine. But he said like, oh, no, I was giving a finger to my friend, uh, Marocco, the, the, the sporting director of, of, of Verona. It's all jovial. I just act like a grown man. You know the cameras are there, right? Okay, so now you're not angry. First of all, you look, you look angry when you do it. Yeah. You know, you look like somebody who's completely deranged Possessed. and unhinged. You acted deranged and unhinged a week earlier. Even if, you, if you're going to go mess around with your buddy... You know, do it in the tunnel where nobody can see. You guys can give each other the finger for, for hours and get your jollies that way. Um, I don't know why he does this. I, somebody needs to reach him and have a talk to him. I, I'm, I know it's such a cliche that kind of like, you know, when you have geniuses, and Sari is a genius. Yeah, I agree. 
there's often some sort of imbalance elsewhere, <laughs> which is clearly the case with with Maurizio yeah. Sarri. I mean, it's, it's it's like Van Gogh cutting off his ear, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, it's Basquiat. Sarri yeah. is the Basquiat. Oh, I of, love of that. Love that. Bayer Leverkusen get a point away to Hertha. Only the second time they avoid oh, defeat this Rico. season. But was our boy Rico Suave a bit was, fortunate? He was that fortunate. Penalty. Yeah, he was fortunate. Uh, but hey, you take it. Because everything has gone against you so far this season, pretty much. And we saw that again in the Champions League with that goal. This alive. still not really sure where the VR and the offside come from. But hey... At least this time they got a bit of luck. Maybe, maybe deserved that bit of luck that time. And, and I mean, Elta Berlin celebrating like if they, they won the league almost at the end. I was like, okay, not so sure about that either. But, hey. I, if I were a Hertha fan right now, I'd be really, really angry. I'd be I mean, angry I at the saw players. them all like this. Like, I was like, yeah. what, I'd be angry at them for celebrating that? that while Union is in first place. Exactly. Seriously. Even with Benzema out, there's no space for Marco Asensio of Real Madrid. And according to media report, he's deeply unhappy with the fight gap that he's played only nine minutes all season. Do you have sympathy for him or are you just going to defend your boy Ancelotti, of course, and say to Marco, well, you should have left in the summer. Anyway, you knew that was going to happen. I, I, I really like Marco Asensio. Not as much as I love Ancelotti, obviously, no, but I really like Marco Asensio. Ancelotti, I can tell you what Ancelotti said. Ancelotti said, oh, we were going to bring him on or, or I think he said we were going to bring him or Mariano Diaz on <laughs> which already for a sense I'm like really you're really mentioning you're me in the same me sentence dude? as that guy you know uh, seriously the doorman come uh, on man the usher the um, but, but, uh, but then Lucas Vasquez got hurt so we you know blah 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 keep our shape yada 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 I, I, I think there's got to be a reasonable way to get a sense of your minutes I, I guarantee you it's not I, I guarantee you it's not Ancelotti here. It's not Ancelotti who says, no, oh, I want sure to punish Asensio. He's either in, under instructions from up top or yeah. he simply says, look, this dude hasn't signed his contract. He ain't going to be here next year. Whereas Hazard will because yeah. we're stuck with him. stuck with him. Rodrigo will, whatever. Let me play the guys who are going to be around. Yeah. And maybe we can grow and develop some chemistry. And that's fair. Well. Along with that, yeah. I yeah. think. Consecutive defeats for Leon after Ooh, a bright start. Peter. Jules, I feel a bit unkind using this opportunity to mock Peter Boss since they did lose away to a good team like Monaco and they had four wins earlier and they're, they're, they're only three points. True, but they had a shocker against Lorient on Wednesday night. We were lucky not to mention Peter Bosch and that defeat on Thursday's show. But now we have to go two, <laughs> two defeats in a row. We go back with the questions that we had last season that you know we were right to ask about where is this team going, what are they going to do. They didn't play badly, to be fair, against Monaco. They had chances. Even at the end, they could have got a point and salvaged a point. Dembele, like I said, missed some big chances. But it's just not working out for them. And the thing is, defensively, they're still really bad. Thiago Mendes, I'm not sure why he keeps trying to play him as a centre-back when the guy is not a centre-back. And, and I can understand why the fans are not happy. If only you could play a team next that, you know, get you to back to winning ways. Oh, is PSG at home on Sunday night? Okay, good luck with that one. But mm. they usually win against PSG when it's at the group at my stadium. So maybe. And if it's then, the PSG that played against Brest, yeah, maybe, not okay. quite so but scary. But they could also huh? lose a third game in a row and then they go to Lens the following weekend, who are obviously, as we know, third in the table and on fire at the moment. So uh, good luck for Peter. It could, it could get worse before it gets better. Sevilla finally get the first win of the season, Gab, winning 3-2 Espanyol, even if they nearly threw it away with the Eric Namela late red cards. It's not just that. It's also, you're 3-0 up yeah. and then they get back to 3-2. And then, then Lamela gets sent Ooh, off. 
yeah. And then yeah. it's squeaky bum time. Yeah, big time. Um, look, three points. They move from one to four points on the table. That is a big <laughs> jump. Massive. Um He's got to do better. He, play, he played Lamela. He seemed to play Lamela through the middle with the series starting wide and coming inside. He's got behind. He's got still. He's trying stuff still. at least, I guess. Uh, you know, Carmona, homegrown, yeah, still born and bred. Yeah, you know, getting those goals. goals. You need little. You need little things like yeah, that to kickstart right. you. Um, personally, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Tuchel approach with Lopetegui because I think there are some parallels there, um, except that of course Lopetegui has a director of football and Tuchel yeah. did not. Um, if you make a change, you make it over the summer. There's no point making it now. So unless things get really bad, mm. you know, if you just moves them into mid table, you're fine, and then you evaluate where you are um, during what? the break. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a cycling guy, Jules, nope. but this guy Remco, and I'm sorry, I'm going to attempt his last name. <laughs> just won La Vuelta, there's a tour of Spain, is a remarkable character. It is, and he could have become a, a football player, professional football player. At 16, he was one of the best in Belgium, captaining Anderlecht under 16 and Belgium under 16. Really, really promising player. But then he chose cycling because he was clearly much better and very good at cycling. And at 22, he just won, as you say, La Vuelta, the Tour of Spain, one of the youngest ever to do it. And he's got an amazing future ahead of him. So well done. Remco Evenepoel is his full name from Belgium because that was a hell of a win. And it's a bit of a shame for us football fans that he never made it as a, as a football pro. You know? I love the fact all those like guys who are like all those Belgian stars who are now like 21, 22. Like, I mean, he probably played with the Catalan and, and yeah, exactly. Like, so cool. against, yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo is getting abused in some parts of social media for posting a picture of himself with Jordan Peterson, who he calls a friend. Gab, your thoughts, and maybe for the ones who don't know who Jordan Peterson is. So Jordan Peterson is this uh, Canadian guy. He's very, he's a, he's a university professor, very popular social media. He's he's got certain views that that some people find controversial and mm -hmm. some people find downright um, offensive. He writes about masculinity and stuff like that. Um, I have no issue with Cristiano because I'm friends with whoever he wants. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, if you post a picture with somebody who is divisive, yeah, because some people think he's yeah. a genius and some people think he's a complete tool, um, you're going to upset yeah. certain people. So I'm a bit surprised. I know he's got a social media team and everything. And I'm a bit surprised that Cristiano would come out with it. But you know what? He's a big boy. He's in the public yeah. spotlight, and yeah, uh, sure. he obviously feels strongly about it. Yeah. Yeah. Before we go, this is this time of the year. Oh, again. Yes. Look the at Panini that. sticker. Yeah. Album. Thank you for Panini for sending us some some books and some stickers. You can get your own as well, of course. You can get together with your friends. Swap. We are happy to swap with you. And if you, you right, know, let's have a little competition. Let's see. We're going to pull one card out and okay. see who gets the better card. Okay, let's go. Yeah? Let's go. Let's go. No let's idea go. who I'm getting here. This Just, is the big reveal. <laughs> Ah, you are kidding me. I have Costa Rica's Johan Venegas. How about that? Okay, I've got your best friend, Harry Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go. Harry Maguire, well done. You're in the book uh, and you're in our packets. Uh, well I think you might have won that one. Yeah, no disrespect to Venegas. <laughs> uh, right, Joe, that brings us to an end. But we got to come back on Thursday because there's so much going on. Champions League is back. Huge yeah. games, Barcelona and Bayern. To oh, me, yes. just the one. Until then, love the game, love your neighbor, love yourself. Real quick, what's the easiest choice you can make? Window seat over middle? Taco Tuesday over salad? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash gabjewels now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels.